what he went through to love us, we'll really know we truly understand. What a powerful statement. And we celebrate today the fact that God did not withhold anything. He gave everything so that we could find hope, so we could find everything in him. The good news is that our hope doesn't finish at Good Friday. We know that Sunday's always coming, amen? But Sunday is powerful because it's built on Good Friday. And when we look at everything that happens on that Good Friday, we look at all the events. Uh, if you can just even try to imagine, put yourself in the feet of the, uh, in the, in the sandals and the shoes of the apostles as they're, they're meeting with Jesus. They walked with them for three and a half years. They've, they've seen all kinds of miracles. They've seen all kinds of healings. They've seen him walk on water. They've seen him uh, crowned and celebrated uh, as he's entered Jerusalem just a week before. And, and, and they've got high expectations about what's ahead. But only Jesus truly knew that there was suffering just a few hours away. And Good Friday, even though it had the events of the, of the trials and the, and the forsaking and the disciples dispersing and leaving and turning their back on their teacher, the betrayal of Judas had all these different events. It actually started with a meal. It started with a moment where Jesus gathered his disciples. It says in Luke 22, verse 14 and 15, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. So many moments in their walk with Jesus had been around breaking bread or teaching moments, uh, sharing meals together, conversations, connecting. But this meal was a little bit different. This was the Last Supper. This, this evening, only Jesus truly knew what was about to happen in just a few hours. And he chose to use those last hours to meet together, to break bread. This Last Supper uh, it had so many different moments and events that were also connected to it. You can read through all the different Gospels. There's, there's the washing of the feet. It says in John 13, verses 1 through 5, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. And he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. That's a great phrase, isn't it? It was... Supper, it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come down from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped the towel around his waist, and poured water in a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. This was one of the, the tasks that was common back in that first century world and the culture back then. And it was usually one of the servants that would do this. But Jesus, knowing that all authority had been given to him, knowing that he was about to depart from this world, knowing that he was going to get crucified unjustly so that we could be spared from God's justice, what he does, and he even knows that Judas is going to betray him. 
But what he does is he puts a towel around his waist and he goes and one by one washes the feet of the disciple. Powerful and impacting lesson of what servanthood looks like, what humility looks like, what cleansing looks like. Remember Peter? He's like, no, I'm not going to let you wash my feet. And he says, well, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you can't have a partner with me. He's like, well, I'll take, I'll take a full bath then. And he's like, Peter's like a pendulum. You know, a lot of us are like that. We'll go one way and then the other extreme. And Jesus says, no, it's enough if I just wash your feet. And he says, you don't understand what I'm doing right now. Someday you will. The thing that stands out to me in this story is that Jesus even washed the feet of Judas. And uh, the Lord will never withhold opportunity, even from the worst of us. He will always put grace and love within our reach. How we respond, that's really up to us. The ball's in our court at that point. But he will always take the steps to take even the dirtiest part, our feet, and wash it and cleanse it and give us a new opportunity and give us hope. It was at this same dinner that, that Peter says, I'm never going to deny you. Even if they get turn their backs on you, I'm never going to do it. And Jesus kind of looks at him tenderly and says, oh, Peter, that's cute. I really appreciate it. Peter, you have no idea what you're saying. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. I know about your future failures, and I love you even the same. I love you unto death. I love you all the way to the end. Is that the same dinner that, that he taught about how the comforter would come? You look at the Gospel of John and how the comforter would come and, and teach all things. And he kept on talking about leaving and, and the disciples were kind of confused as they're asking for different dishes to be passed their way. And, 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 and they're absorbing things that are going to make sense later on. At this dinner, he talked about him being the vine, them being the branches. You can't do anything separate from me. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. So many moments that were so powerful at this moment of supper, this last supper. But one of the things that stood out the most was when he took bread and he took a cup. As you came in today, you received emblems. Hold on, we're not going to partake in communion yet. We're going to do that later on tonight. But he took bread and he took a cup. And this was different from any other time where they would have a traditional breaking of bread. Especially, this is a Passover meal. This is a moment where they would celebrate and remember what had happened way back in the days of Moses, in the book of Exodus. When God had shown up and he had said, if you sacrifice a lamb and if you paint the, the, the doorposts on your houses with the blood of that lamb, then the angel of justice and death will pass over your home and you will be spared. This is in the middle of all the different, all the different things that were happening as they were being prepared to escape from Egypt and to become free from slavery. This was the 10th plague. And from that moment on, God had said, you got to bake some bread. But there's no time to let that bread, uh, to let yeast work in that bread and make it rise. You need to bake bread without yeast. You need to be ready to leave, ready to go as soon as I say go. And from that moment on, bread without yeast had been broken at tables, especially on the Passover, as a reminder 
of the fact that God would pass over his judgment and would give us, give us an opportunity to find freedom. Give us an opportunity to leave Egypt, if you will, and find purpose and find a future and find promise in him. And Jesus was crucified on that Passover evening because he was the true Lamb of God. The one who with his blood painted not on doorposts, but on the cross would once and for all shield us and cover us from the worst consequences of our own sin if we turn to him. And he will pass over and give us his grace and give us his forgiveness if we're willing to put our trust in him. Tonight on Good Friday, we don't only remember an event that happened almost 2,000 years ago. We remember the fact that we have known the same Jesus, that we today follow him. He is alive. And that his words and his life and his blood are powerful to transform our lives today. So many moments at that dinner table stood out. But one of the things that stood out the most was the moment when he actually took that bread and he made a statement that he had not made at the dinner table before. And this statement carried through not only from that dinner time, but it's something that was practiced over the years, over the centuries by the church, by the followers of Christ at different seasons from the first century, even up to today. The Apostle Paul is the one that captures some of those words uh, as he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, if you read with me. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord Jesus himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, if you uh, come to Emmanuel regularly, you know that we read this text as we're going to participate in communion. Don't do it yet. Hold on. We will have an opportunity to do it in a moment. But I want us to just pause and reflect on, on what the disciples would have experienced as Jesus is lifting up on leavened bread. And he's saying, this is my body. They would have kind of looked at each other. And he's, is he speaking in parables again? Is he, you know, did you understand what he was just saying? And he's saying, it's broken for you. Jesus' body was just hours away from being broken for them and also for me and also for you. Broken so that we could find wholeness in him. Maybe one of them remembered uh, an earlier chapter in the Gospel of John when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Maybe they remember the fact that he said that he was a greater miracle from God the Father than manna had been for the people of Israel as they were wandering in the desert because manna could be eaten and then they would be hungry the next day. But those of us who find that taste and see that God is good, that Jesus is enough, once we find him, we realize that he quenches even the deepest hunger 
of our soul, the thirst of our soul. Jesus held up that bread and he said, this is my body. It's being broken for you so that you can find complete wholeness, satisfaction, healing, purpose, new life. And Jesus would also say, it's not being taken from me. I'm surrendering it. I'm laying it down so that you can find your life. You know, as we think of the events of, of that week and we think of the cross and love uh, depictions like watching The Chosen and, uh, and, and other renditions that have been made. And uh, I remember one of the early years when we used a clip from The Passion. We're not going to do that tonight. It's a pretty, pretty graphic uh, event that was captured well. But the cross can often be romanticized, and we can think of just, you know, it's almost turned into, into uh, an accessory that we can wear hanging around our necks. And we forget that there was a lot of suffering, and there was a lot of brokenness that happened here, and that he, his body was broken, and he suffered so that we can find wholeness, and we don't have to live under the weight of our sin anymore. We can find hope. We can find purpose. We can find forgiveness. We can find purity. We can find joy. We can find direction in our life as we turn to Jesus. That's what we celebrate on Good Friday, is that he gave it all so we could find it all in him. Amen. And before we go on, you know, and we will celebrate communion in just a moment, but I want to give an opportunity to everyone who's present here tonight and those who are joining online to say, you know what, I want to receive the biggest gift of God, the greatest miracle of God, is to find wholeness and to find salvation in the person of Jesus. Would you join me and just close your eyes for a moment, open your hearts. Tonight, as we gather, there's some that have walked with God for many years and others that have, they've kind of steered away, they've, they've drifted. Others of you have never known God. And this is much more than just religious concepts. This is a relationship with the Son of God. And if today you're far from God and you want to find the wholeness that Jesus promised, to find the fact that you will never hunger or thirst again from the depths of your soul, you'll find complete wholeness and satisfaction in him. You want to find forgiveness. You want to turn away from doing life your own way, turn away from sin, and turn to him so that he can be your Lord and Savior. It's as simple as saying, I want to receive the gift that you're giving me today. So with eyes closed and hearts open, how many would say, I want to turn to Jesus and I want him to be my Lord and Savior. I want to receive the gift of new life, of a fresh start, a new beginning, his forgiveness and his wholeness. If that's you, just raise your hand where you're at. God bless you. God bless you. On the main floor, on the balcony, hands going up. And you know what? This is a gift. It's not a prize. It's not something you can earn. You can't deserve it. Your best version of yourself will never deserve it. I can't deserve it either. But today we can say, God, I receive that. And I turn from doing life my own way. And I ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. In fact, can you pray this prayer with me? Make it your own. Church, can you follow along and say, dear Jesus, thank you for giving it all for dying on the cross, for being broken, 
so I could find wholeness. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the satisfaction of my soul. I receive your salvation. And I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. From this day on. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we just give it up for everyone who said yes to Jesus tonight? Good Friday is not an event from 2,000 years ago. It's an event that continues to happen every time someone turns from their sin and they turn to Jesus. And Jesus didn't stop there. He also held up a cup, which was traditional at dinner times. And he, what he did is he, he said, you know what? This symbolizes my blood. And he began to, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 25, he says, in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. I invite Pastor Nate to lead us in the rest of this message. Thank you. Come on. You have your cups. Uh, you get them out. Thank you, Pastor Nathan. It's good to go through the story. Don't take anything yet. If you're a follower of Jesus, I invite you to join us tonight. You trust in him with your eternity. You put your life in his hands. You believe in the Savior. You don't have to be a member of this church to receive this communion tonight. I think it's interesting that Jesus chose to say, this is the one thing I want you to keep doing over and over and over again long after I'm gone. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Now, all, of, all the things that we can do, why would he pick this to be the thing that we're supposed to do? It's because he wants us to revisit what he did on the cross. It is to never leave our experience. It, our religion can become hollow and useless if we don't remember this moment. We're to teach our kids the value of this moment. But what Jesus did for us not only changed our story at some point in our lifetime, but it can change everything we do in the present tense. I was at a wedding once, and, uh, and they chose to do communion at the wedding. Now, I'm one that kind of thinks if you're going to do communion, give it to everybody else in the room too, not just a couple up front. But they chose to do that. And the father of the groom was the one that was presenting it. And uh, he happened to be a minister. And I was so touched with something because when I looked down at where they had put the bread, it was on a subway napkin. It could have been Chipotle, it could have been Taco Bell, it could have been whatever. 
but it was showing, it was a symbol that the power of Jesus' death on the cross was meant for the ordinary parts of our life. That it's not just a power in church, but it's a power in our house. That Jesus' power is not restricted to the walls of some cathedral, but it goes into the caverns where Christians are huddled throughout the world, closed access countries where it's illegal to be a Christian. Today, people are gathering together and the power of Jesus is known no matter how big the crowd. That night, and he said, do this in remembrance of me. I'd love for you to think in terms of a puzzle. How many like to do puzzles? Put the pieces together. When it starts off, I remember the first time I thought I could do a thousand piece puzzle really easy. I'll start with 250 or 500 maybe. But all the pieces are there. And what you do is you work to remember the pieces into a picture. You know what Jesus does with us? He takes the broken pieces of our life and he remembers us. When we remember Jesus and what he's done, it's as if we're reminded, my life is not fractured. My life is not broken. But because of Jesus' broken body, my life is put back together again. When we think of the bread, go ahead and take the bread out. It's to remember the brokenness of Jesus puts back broken families together again. The broken body of Jesus by his stripes, we are healed. And that wherever we gather together, no matter how big or small the group is of believers, when we remember Jesus, the power of his broken body is made present tense wherever we gather. If you are here today and you have a broken body, you have a sickness in your body, Jesus can heal you. Not just can he, he is present to heal the broken body of Jesus. If you have a broken relationship, he has the capacity to do what you cannot do. Put broken things back together again. I know this world needs the brokenness of Jesus to heal a fractured society. And only Jesus can do that. Today, as we are about to partake, if you are in this place or you're online and you have brokenness in your body or in your relationships and you want to trust in Jesus for healing, I want you to stand wherever you are. Just stand in trust and belief that Jesus can heal and he will today. Taking the bread, Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Jesus, tonight, we pause and we remember you and we ask that you would remember us. Today, heal the sick. Do the miracle of bringing broken things back together again. 
restore relationships and heal our world. We ask, let us eat. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now everyone can stand, if you would, as we take, that way you're not like spilling it on your way up. <laughs> you know, it would take a lot to totally walk through the Old Testament in the power of blood sacrifice. But you have to know that life is found in the blood. No blood, no life. In the Old Testament, they would sacrifice animals on our behalf to cover over, as Pastor Nathan had referenced in the Passover, Because the curse of sin is deep. And if we were to pause, and of course Paul told us to contemplate, to think deeply before even receiving communion. If we're to be honest, there are many things in our life that we don't like about ourselves. Why do I do the thing I don't want to do? And I don't do the thing I should be doing. That's what Paul says in Romans. Oh, wretched man that I am. But we have this hope in Jesus who speaks a better word over our life than what we could conjure up. For he is faithful. And no matter how much we hate sin, he hates sin more. So much so that he was willing to bear our sin on his body to set us free. When Jody and I got married, unfortunately, she took some of my debt on her because I owed some money. <laughs> Not much, but a little bit. And it became our debt. What Jesus did is he took our debt and he took it to the cross. He nailed it. And when he got off the cross, the debt stayed there. Come on, friends. And not only did he do that, of course, we're going to celebrate it in just a couple days, but when he rose from the dead, he gave us that freedom that he felt and the power over sin, death, hell, and the grave. There's a freedom that comes when we follow Jesus and his blood. And let me just say this today. If you are feeling battles in your brain, if you're fighting an addiction, if you're trying to overcome besetting thoughts, things that keep coming at you, sometimes the voices of our past or the voices of, of people in our, our, our history that spoke negative things over our life or the voice of an abuser can come at our brain and, and, and try to come in the present tense. And that's when you need to remember and that's when, sisters and brothers, we need to remember that Jesus' blood is greater than any words of the enemy, that today we can trust that the blood of Jesus sets all of us free from, from any sin. Can I get an amen to that? All sin. Today, Lord, we thank you for your blood, for it is greater. Today, Lord, we ask that as we receive together, 
that the power of God, when your physical blood hit the ground, the same ground that was cursed in Genesis, you took cursed things and turned it around. And I pray that, Lord, there would be a turnaround from the inside out, from all my sisters and brothers, that we would know the freedom. What can wash me white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We trust you for that today. We remember you as you remember us. Let us drink together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. After you've put your cup down, would you just begin to take 60 seconds to lift your hands and your voices and begin to thank Jesus in the present tense. Jesus, we thank you for healing. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for your power is greater than any power in hell itself. That today we stand as a church. We stand as individuals and believers, knowing it's not us, but it's you. You are greater, and there is no one like you. We trust you today. We ask, oh God, that you, Lord, quicken our mortal bodies with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, and that we would know, oh God, that you are with us. And if you are for us, who can be against us? We thank you today, for there is no one like you. Give him a big, big, big praise. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.